You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the BGJ Globetrotters podcast. Um, this podcast was actually, uh, has been on my list for pretty much forever. I think probably two years, if not more. Uh, it's been on my, my idea list. Um, so, I actually bought a microphone for this, like for my computer, maybe two years ago. And thought, okay, now it's time to, to start to record something. Um, but um, never really got around to it. Suddenly, I had the idea of moving to the Caribbean, and um, that took a bit of my time. And then I just imagined, as soon as I got here, I would just lay in my hammock every day and and record a like a little radio show, podcast. But um, yeah, that didn't really happen. It, it's, I've been here a year, and uh, it's been quite a lot of work just to get settled in a new life. Um, but anyway. Um, Things have started to uh, to kind of fall into into place, and uh, and uh, life is a little bit easier now. So I thought it was about time to get started on the podcast. Uh, anyway, here I am. Uh, I am currently walking. If there's some wind, it's because I am walking up a hill. Um, because in one week we have the Caribbean Island camp here, and um, I am looking scouting. Uh, a spot here for uh, we want to do like an open mat on the first day I'm walking up this hill overlooking uh, the town of Gustavia which is like the only town here uh, it's not really a town it's pretty much like uh, a road that wraps around the harbor uh, the whole island has 9,000 people so it's pretty small uh, I kind of imagined I would just be laying in my hammock recording this uh, but um, in reality even though I am in the in the Caribbean uh, I will probably re- be recording most of this in uh, in my basement where I have like set up my little office because that's the only place where I had room for it so so the the concept the, the idea I have with this podcast is I, I haven't actually really put much much thought into it but um, what I thought I would do would be uh, for each episode just to kind of sit down and, and talk with with someone I know through the Globetrotters community uh, either via Skype or or uh, in person like if at a camp or something uh, not so much an interview but but more like a, more like just kind of chat about stuff uh, I think that'll be the, the format to begin with and I hope that the the podcast will will kind of evolve from there uh, and uh, we'll just, I'll just see how it goes, really. I, I was thinking, when I, when I thought about not having time for this, uh, then I, I realized, uh, when, when the thought was kind of planted in my head, that there are just too many interesting people in this community that I, I would like to, uh, I, I could put on the show. So, so, I mean, it would be stupid not to. So anyway, hopefully I can make an episode every second week or something. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, I just climbed the top of this hill. The view is beautiful, but as you may or may not know, 
three, two and a half months ago, we were hit by the biggest hurricane in recorded history and the island has taken quite a hit, but uh, it looks all, all right up here, but obviously this is not the place they, they prioritized fixing. Uh, well, on with the first episode. So uh, for this episode, I, I decided to uh, speak to an old friend of mine, uh, Daniel Reed from Scotland, who, uh, who moved to, uh, to Taiwan. And uh, I thought his story was, was pretty interesting. Um, so he pretty much just gave up everything at home in Scotland and uh, moved to Taiwan of all places. Uh, not, the most, not the most classic place to, to move to. Um, so I'm just having a, uh, a little chat with him about, about his story. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy the interview. And then I will get back to you after it's over and I will be down from this hill and probably back in my basement so there will be less wind in the microphone okay so um live from taiwan uh for the first episode of the bcj globetrotters podcast we have daniel email reed do you want to explain that name really quick like why is it daniel email uh, <laughs> um, it's just a silly name and a lot of people have had to answer the question many times especially when I went to teach like jiu-jitsu in Muslim countries they think it's Dan Imal like a, like a Muslim <laughs> that's name that's what I thought were you like um, have, have Turkish or something <laughs> yeah I've heard that a few times but no it's just it's a silly name someone gave to me that I left on my Facebook for a joke but that's developed into my team name Animal so yeah it's pretty silly but it's uh, stuck with me it took me a while to figure out that it was like Animal I didn't get the joke for like a year or something. I mean, I, I, well, I mean, I could join it up, but then I don't get to have that awkward conversation. People ask me where it's yeah. from. So, what, so, 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 what? It's because you're an animal, or what is it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, you have to explain this right now. Let's get this settled. I mean, not really an animal on the mats. Um, I think when I met you, I was more of an animal <laughs> in the bar. Uh, <laughs> that might, that might be it. Anyway, so uh, yeah, basically, it just came from there. And just a, a really quick background story. Um, when I when I made the decision to to do this podcast like forty eight hours ago, <laughs> I uh, I thought, okay, if I make a podcast, who who would I actually interview? Like, and and I was thinking the theme of the podcast was, cast would be kind of like people who did things a little bit different in life. And uh, and I was just thinking back at the trip I did uh, the round the world jujitsu trip, and obviously you're. Uh, kind of a, a character in the book, so I thought that would be an obvious place to start. Um, just r- briefly, uh, when I when I went around the world, um, at one point I I found like a ticket from I don't even know where I came in from Japan or something to t- no Philippines. Uh, Philippines, I think. Philippines. Yeah. So there was randomly a ticket for Taiwan, which was like kind of cheap, and I thought, oh, I'll go to Taiwan. I know nobody there, so. Uh, I tried to email a few people, but didn't really get much of a reply. So I, I posted on PJJ Asia forum, I think. I think that's where I found you. Something like that. Uh, anyway, it was actually what someone told me about it. So I didn't even see it from your blog or whatever. Someone messaged me or told me about it. Right, right. So, so I, I arrived super late. I had I knew no one there. So it was one of the I think one of the, like three or four times where I actually got like a hotel room for the night, which was was needed because I just slept on like the worst couches. Like every single bad couch from from Denmark to Southeast Asia, I think I've been there. Uh, so I was staying one night in the hotel room, and and just before I went to bed, I remember I got a message from you. It was like eleven something, eleven p.m., and I get a message from a random guy. I say like, "Hey, I'm I'm here in 
Where was it? Taipei? Yeah, I was I'm, in Taipei. With I'm them, here yeah. in Taipei. Um, someone told me you're here. Like, why don't you uh, uh, let's let's meet up tomorrow or something? Like, yeah, sure. I'll go to bed. And uh, uh, and you said like I'll pick you up at ten in the morning at the at checkout from the hotel. And and then I went to bed. And I just arrived in Taiwan. And I wake up in the morning. I just throw everything in my bag backpack. Walk out the door. You're there in like a pretty easy spot. Like whitest guy in Taiwan and I mean these guys I mean they don't even like to tan there right <laughs> so uh jump in the car and pretty much from there uh we just went straight onto like a week-long road trip around Taiwan right something like that to train in a bunch yeah, of yeah, jobs the whole and, yeah so there was that was how I met the Daniel Emel um and that's kind of where it started and then and we we, we uh, just met up in a bunch of trips along the way since then um that's pretty much it and then and then suddenly you know uh, i went home and did my thing and then suddenly you moved to taiwan I, I, um and that's where that's what i thought was it. by the way if you hear some some uh some water running in the background it's not because i'm on a tropical island and i'm by a river or a beach or something it's because i'm in my basement and uh <laughs> it's, it's, it's when my neighbor is flushing the toilet <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so anytime someone in, in in this building is flushing the toilet it's 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 going on the podcast so <laughs> anyway anyway so that was the introduction so uh so you suddenly moved to taiwan uh and uh, i think that would be an interesting story to talk about i actually never really talked to you about the details of it you're suddenly just in taiwan and started training so so why don't you tell the listeners about that a little bit yeah i guess i'd visit here once or twice before um just visiting a girl I was dating at the time. Um, and the second trip, I think I met you, or first trip, I don't remember. Um, but after going back home again, like I was sort of tra traveling around and training at different places. And, and Scotland's a beautiful country, but, I mean, you visited before. It's, it can also be horrifically miserable. It was uh, the weather's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was raining so Your weekend much. there was it's ridiculous. Uh, terrible. So, like, I was sick of eight months of winter, and I just thought I need to find somewhere that, that is, you know, I don't have to wear a jacket every day for eight months. Um, and Taiwan was that place, and it, it was like a whole bunch of other things also. Um, so, yeah, just after tra traveling around and, and training in different places, I was looking for somewhere that I could either train or coach. I, I hadn't really decided to open a gym at that point. I just thought I thought if I can be here and, and train where it's warm rather than train where it's cold, that's going to be good. Um, so really there was no other story than that. You know, I decided I wanted to train full time and just – find a place to do that that was warm and cheap enough for me to do it right so and i know what people are thinking when you say that they think like that's cool but i can i could never do that you know i have my friends at home how will i make money there you know can i can i, can I even find a job you're pretty much like how on earth do you move to uh to to a country like taiwan in terms of like work permit paperwork language barrier how do you find an apartment there i mean what are all the practicalities i, I understand that it's like Sure, I want to move to Taiwan. That that sounds cool. Let's do it. But <laughs> but I mean, there must be a lot of practicalities. That's just just not like like how do you actually do it? I, I mean, you sit at home and what what did you do? How did you make it work? If I honestly, if I knew how easy it was to do, I would have moved years ago. I always thought it'd be so difficult to do. There'd be so many things that would uh, that would hold me back. But actually, it's it's super easy. Like uh, Taiwan, anyway. I'm not sure, but you know, other countries I haven't lived in that many countries but here like it's not that difficult at all if anyone speaks english as the first language and has a university degree they can move here tomorrow it's super super easy to move here 
Um, for me, it wasn't so easy, you know, because I'm not, I'm not teaching English here, which is the most common thing for, uh, for Westerners to do here. For me, it was a little more tricky. You know, it took a lot of paperwork and stuff. But when I first moved here, I was just kind of like, um, you know, teaching a, a small amount of guys. So it was kind of like under the table stuff type stuff. You know, I didn't have, everything didn't have to be legal. I wasn't teaching at my own gym or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like cash in hand stuff. But uh, for other people to move here with a degree, super, super easy. Like, And I feel like when I travel around Asia, I think most countries are like that too. I, don't, I think it's possible to move to a lot of these countries and teach English. Um and actually, most of my foreign students, that's what they do. And their quality of life here is so good. You know, they work 20 hours a week and, and make enough money to have a comfortable life. And basically, they can train full time as well as make enough money to, you know, go on holidays and live in a nice apartment. You know, it's uh, if I knew about that, I would have been here a long time ago. So how do you actually find an apartment? Like, uh, what's, what's the practical steps of that? If, let's say you sit in somewhere in like, it's raining, you want to move to Taiwan. How on earth do you find an apartment in Taiwan? Like, what's, what's the first step? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, there's websites all the time now, right? You can find websites for everything. So I think in Taiwan, it's 591.com.tw. And it basically lists every apartment uh, in Taiwan that's for rent. So, And Google automatically translates it for you. And it's, and it's not perfect, but it's close enough. Mm. So like, really, you can see the prices of stuff and, and see where they are. It's, just, yeah, it's really not too tricky at all. But mm. if someone was thinking about coming here, like it's so cheap to get a hotel or to do Airbnb. You just come here and sort of, find out where you liked a little bit first and you'll be here for a couple of weeks and, and check everywhere out and then get an apartment after that. But even that part of it, honestly, I thought it'd be difficult, but it's, it's not tricky at all. And, and people, foreigners and Taiwanese here are so friendly and, and, and help everybody that it's, yeah, it's kind of a great culture for that. Do most people speak English really well there? Or? I, I'm all the way in the South. So like the level of English is lower for mm -hmm. sure. Um, people will try their best, but the level is not high, yeah. which is why all my foreign students teach English. But I mean, there's enough people that speak English here that you wouldn't have to be able to speak Mandarin to uh, to survive. Right. Um, I how's, mean, it helps, of course. How's but... your Mandarin coming along? How long have you been there uh, for? I've been here for four years now. Right. Four years. Uh, I mean, I, I can survive. Mm -hmm. I don't speak nearly as much as I should, but that's because, you know, like I said, you don't really have to. But um, I can speak enough to survive. Right. What about, um, so, so you arrived there with nothing really and no plans so so how and and from there to now you have like a, a wildly successful academy with a lot of people and a lot of competitors how, how did you get how did you how did you actually manage to do that how did you open the the gym and find a space and all that i mean you're a brown belt when you moved there or i don't remember Purple belt, i purple? yeah i was just just got my brown belt when i moved here right um some shady guy on the internet gave it to me mm, yeah. so it wasn't worth too much that. <laughs> uh, yeah, just before I moved, uh, I'd visit here a few times just before I moved out of Brown Belt. Um, and I, I sort of, this, this is very funny, actually it all comes back to, to our initial trip. Um, I was at a competition in the middle of the island, a place called Taichung. And I, I saw a guy that was at the seminar. I remember the place all the way down in Taidong, the place in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah the, the enormous judo hall thing. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the biggest hall of all time. Um, <laughs> there was a guy there who... <laughs> who um who, who was at the seminar but like to be honest at that time I, I wasn't a great traveler i wasn't like a super social person in many ways so like i feel like i was quite quiet to that guy at the time mm. like it's not super friendly so when i was in taijong i was kind of like oh man that's that guy i should like I, i've changed now i'm i'm you know after after moving around the world and after 
you know, you open them on, on Gem and stuff. I'm so much more like social when I'm going. So uh, I went up to him like, hey, buddy, how's it going? Nice to see you again. I saw you at that seminar last time. Um, so he started chatting to me and said to me, I should go down to, to Kaohsiung to, uh, to teach a class that he's, uh, that the Jimmy trained at. Mm. So I ended up coming down here and teaching a couple of classes and, and, and all the guys were super cool. Um, that there was a very good guy coaching here, but he uh, he's very busy with his work also. So he kind of wanted to hand it over to someone. You know, you want to keep on training, but not to be in charge of everything. Um, and at the same time, another city, 30 minutes north, Tainan, it's kind of the same. You know, they had some good guys training, but it's very, very small. And uh, they kind of wanted the coach to be there. So these two gyms uh, who were friends kind of got together and, and figured out kind of a package for him to get here. Mm. Uh, one of them had a spare room in an apartment. One guy could give you some money here or whatever. So it started off really like uh, not very organized, but like there was people who wanted to train. You know, maybe there was like between both gyms, maybe there was 20 people. Right. So like maybe like, I don't know, 15, one place, five, the other. Uh, but over the time now, maybe there's, I don't know, we might have 150 between both gyms now. So um, yeah, over the course of the years, it's kept on building. But there, there was something here. I didn't start it from nothing. You know, there was there was some people training. Right. Well, that's a good place to start if there's a small group and they need some help. And I mean, I think I see I see a lot of people traveling and they and they're looking for places to go. And and even if you're like a I don't know purple belt or even a blue belt with just some experience, there there are groups out there who like who has nothing and they only learn from YouTube or something. And you can definitely uh, help them out in one way and another. If nothing else, just for for karma and connections. Like as you said, and that's definitely one thing I find that I've found in my life to be, to be super true is like, you never know like what person can completely change your life. Like, as, as you said, it was just like a random guy at the seminar. And because you took the initiative to talk to him, that, that pretty much changed the whole course. Well, of, yeah, at least you can look, at, you can look at that many ways, you know, yeah. there'd be so, so, so many steps in that. If I had made that phone call to be like, or that email to you saying, Hey, let's hang out let's uh, let me help you get around Taiwan. Right. If I didn't make this random gesture of kindness, then I wouldn't have met that guy. Right. And I wouldn't be living here. So, yeah, I think uh, just putting yourself out there is, is the same for me. Every time I do that, I feel like good things happen. Right. Yeah, I, I, I definitely came to that conclusion uh, along the way that, you know, if if you just all the time, I, like I try as much as possible to kind of, I don't know how to describe it, like maybe plant little seeds of, of karma everywhere. You know, every person you meet could mm -hmm. potentially, you know, be your next best friend or, or change your, your entire life. So. So being kind to someone or just doing someone a favor, you never know how that's going to come back. And I don't think it's karma in like a spiritual way, but but more like an actual practical way. That's it's just so complicated. Yeah, you, you can't you can't actually see how you know the connection between something you did and and what what you got out of it. Well, sometimes you can, but I mean, so I I think if you just always keep an open mind towards people, then you never know. Someone might it might be you might get a little favor back, or they might change completely the course of your life. I mean, that's that's the same reason why I sit here in the Caribbean right now and and not like uh, freezing my ass off in Denmark. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we we pretty much have the same story there. You know, it's just being nice to some people with a genuine interest in in actually being nice to them, and and that might that will very likely come back in one way or the other. It it's honestly not like uh, it's not natural for me to be that way. It's not like I don't feel like it's the natural way for Scottish people to be. We're quite miserable. You're so for me, it took uh, effort to do that. If I'm honest, <laughs> I'm an asshole. Yeah, I'm, I'm naturally an asshole. So it's a battle that I'm fighting all the time to be like. <laughs> to if I go traveling, I find it easier. Right. For the people that's around me all the time, sometimes it's more difficult. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's um, 
but I, yeah, I, I think when I when I'm traveling, I find it a lot more easy. You know, some new person, I can find it easy to be nice to them. Mm. But I think if I could bring that to everyday life, that'd be even better. Right. Well, you see, you see where it took you. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and your your English improved a lot. <laughs> I think I thought you were going to say something about that. I th I think for the for the first few years, I knew you. I I, I you you're repeating every second sentence at least for me to understand it. And we talked about that. I remember we were hitchhiking in Estonia. Remember that? And you were so fuck. You were so frustrated. It was some like so like a couple from uh, Latvia or something. They picked up, was... their, their English was really bad, but <laughs> and you just couldn't talk to them because they didn't they they didn't get your Scottish accent. And like I was just speaking to them all the entire trip, and you were just quiet and angry because they didn't understand <laughs> your your English. Well, honestly, like I said, me not being social, part of it came from that, right? Like, I would anywhere I traveled they spoke English even they were like I don't know what you're saying yeah I mean people that are listening might hear my Scottish accent still um but compared to what it was like I was basically basically useless like I spoke English as a first language and no one could understand me <laughs> well it's funny because so, like, it's true it's funny because it's it's 100% true I didn't understand half of what you were saying but well you had a pretty smile so <laughs> <laughs> I think Scotland's hard to understand in general, but the area I'm from is particularly hard to understand, even right. within Scotland. So, yeah, it made, it made me basically travel retarded. <laughs> so, how was it? How was it leaving? Uh, speaking about home, how how was it leaving? Uh, leaving home and your friends. You were teaching there and had like uh, you were teaching some at least. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, well, I was had, teaching had quite a bunch, a lot of bunch of friends there and training. And how, how was it leaving everyone and your family? And I mean. Uh, we left home with two different stories. I, I left with, with a family and you, you're on your own pretty much, but still mm. let's hear about that. Uh, I was, um, I mean, maybe the time I, I felt something, I, I honestly don't even think about it. Like sometimes I think around, you know, around Christmas, I mean, stuff, oh shit, it'd be good to see my family. Mm. But uh, then I think about how miserable I am in the cold. Like I, I'm a different person, but when it's cold every day, Fuck! I don't want to leave the house when it's like that. So um, honestly, the, the 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 pros so far outweigh the cons. That uh, I mean, I miss my family sometimes, some of my friends sometimes. But um, no, I, I get the. I mean, it's winter time here right now, and it's probably twenty five degrees today. So mm. no, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't think it was a big decision really for me. It was like, well, this if this doesn't go well, I can always come back, right? Right. And the world is kind of no. smaller, you know. My grandfather left Denmark. He sailed to Australia, like in the '60s or something. That's insane. It took yeah, like two months to get there. Isn't there's no like? I'll just go back if it doesn't work, you know. He left. <laughs> he left the family at, at home so he could he could start a business and uh, a life down there, and then invite them later. Never never happened. But um, but I mean, there, back then there was no like. I'll just go check it out, you know. Right now, if if you want to go home next week, just buy a plane ticket, right? Yeah, it's not even particularly expensive, really. So, so um, about opening a gym, like in a different country, in different culture, like how 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 did you how did you manage to do that in terms of like, I don't know, even like financing it or you know advertising and finding people. And I, I know you had something there already, but but tell us about yeah, how, I, I how was, the gym uh, kind of kind of happened. I was I was sort of lucky in a way. Um, so when I first got here, we're running out of uh, like a commercial gym. So like using a space in another gym mm -hmm. um, that they were very, very hard to deal with and like made it very difficult for new people to come along. So 
after we're there for a year, when everyone's contract sort of ran out, um, we decided let's just open our own place. You know, it's going to be easier to get new members. Um, so I started looking into ways I could get enough money to do that, enough sort of like, uh, yeah, enough connections. And, and one of the one of the guys that was um, training with me at the time, he runs one of the biggest bars in town, uh, one of the most popular sort of uh, foreign and Taiwanese bar in town. So he's, he's used to sort of like marketing and, um, you know, he already runs a business in Taiwan as a foreigner. Uh, so he seemed like the perfect guy to kind of get on board. He was training all the time. So actually him and his business partner, they, they own half of my gym. I own the other half. Right. Um, yeah, at least my gym in Kaohsiung. But what they brought to the table was was, was, was a lot that I that I couldn't do. You know, they both speak good Chinese. Mm. Um, they run a business already in Taiwan as foreigners. You know, they're very good at marketing and, and promotions and stuff like that. So mm. for, for the at the start, they took care of a lot of that stuff. And it was like a kind of big load off for me. I could focus more on teaching and stuff. So again, so but like, so you, I mean, I mean, it's just it's basically just getting lucky and finding the right people again, right? Right, keeping an open mind. Yeah, I mean, it would be tricky if I, if I couldn't speak uh, any Chinese, trying to open a business myself. It would be much harder. I would have to find someone or pay someone to at least translate for me and get everything done. Uh, I mean, that that'd be the the biggest language barrier that I notice is anytime any business stuff is discussed, like I don't have any business Chinese at all. So mm. I, I'm basically useless. So I'd say that's kind of the hardest part about it, but for the most part, that's already set up, so I never really have to deal with anything like that anymore. Right. That kind of takes care of itself. So yeah, that was just really the start of it all happening. So how about actually like running the gym? I mean, it's it's obviously very successful. You've you've managed to get a lot of people in there. Like, what do you think are, are like key points to to the success? Like, why why does it work so well for you? Um, I said this on the. Uh, on a podcast before actually someone was asking me about that and and one of the things something you mentioned earlier um when i first set up the gym i thought to myself and i remember you i asked you briefly about um it, actually when, when when i was opening the gym i think i asked you some questions about uh about the success of your gym and something you said that kind of stuck with me was just that treat everyone that comes to the door like your possible new best friend um and it sounds cheesy and stupid but actually it's just giving them a chance give them a handshake give them a smile and then like and give them the chance to be your friend, you know? Right. And if you, if you do that, so many people will surprise you, even though they might look like a psychopath, they might turn out <laughs> to be a super cool person if you greet them with a smile, you know, and you're, and you're friendly to them. Or the other um, way around. So that was very, very important. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, like, early on, that was so important for me. I wanted to create a vibe in the gym. And, and, and coming to your gym in Denmark or your old gym in Denmark a few times, um, the thing that really stuck out to me was, like, how friendly people were and how welcoming people were. Mm. You know, everyone kind of remembered each other's names. It was like, it, it, I think that's a huge part of running a gym that people don't see. It doesn't have to be success in medals and things like that. But like, if it's very, very friendly and welcome, and then I don't know, man, like, I think they're more likely to be a successful gym. Um, so I focused on that a lot at the start and kind of like I almost forced my guys to be the same way, you know, forcing them to also say hi to people when they come, right. say bye when they leave, like, you know, small things like that, but really policing it to make sure they're always doing it. Um, I mean, now it's pretty much happens by itself. Everyone is that way. So I don't even have to be that way anymore. <laughs> it sort of takes care of itself. But like all the Globetrotters, uh, travelers that have came through and trained at my gym, that's something that they say. It's one of the most friendly gyms they've ever trained at. Um, you know, I, I used to be when, when, when the Globetrotters guys came here, I would take care of them, take them places, show them stuff. But now I've got so many guys that are willing to do that. that like, you know, the climb and different people are hanging out with different people, taking them different places. So, um, yeah, just creating a super friendly gym was my first focus. 
Right. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good way to to kind of uh, approach it, as as you say. That's. that's well, I mean, well, you've got to be there every day, right? I've yeah. got to be there at one of my gyms every day. If it's full of miserable assholes, I don't want to be there. <laughs> that's very you know true. I mean? That's very true. So I'm really creating a, a, a like a like, like a playroom for me, right? This is my place to go and have fun. So yeah. I don't want some assholes on my mat. I want it to be everyone's cool. <laughs> but yeah, we're very lucky with that. Uh, as far as like. I don't know, the, the rest of it being successful, we've done a little bit of advertising and stuff like that, but most of it's been word of mouth. Um, yeah, just by being a cool, friendly place, other people tell other people. Um, it's been tricky. Like, you know, I remember back home when I was coaching in Scotland, you'd get random athletic young guys coming in all the time. You know, we don't get many of them. Mm. So I've really had to kind of, um, you know, adapt my coaching. You know, um, m most of our guys are older in their 30s. Basically got a team of masters. Um <laughs> But also like a like a whole lot of tough guys, you know, like so um so I, I miss not getting those random athletic young kids coming through the door. But I, that probably also makes it a friendlier place, you know. Yeah, you my get a whole point, bunch of yeah. young guys in there full of testosterone, you know, maybe that's gonna be why I haven't had uh, many issues in the gym. Yeah. Um and also Taiwan is just not really a fighting culture. It's like one of the safest countries in the world. Mm. Um so there's there's <laughs> no one has any reason for self defense or like to and not that I think, like, I don't teach self-defense or anything, but, like, you know, that's the reason a lot of people start. You know, they want to learn the martial art for self-defense, and right. that doesn't really exist here. There's no real sporting culture here. So, so many of my students, the first day they came, they didn't know what jiu-jitsu was. Like, they didn't even Google. They just walked through the door thinking, all right, what's this? Show me. They Which be, I think in many ways is absolutely they, amazing. They believe in what? Sorry, you just fell out. They, they, they walked through the door having no idea what jiu-jitsu was. Right. Like, I think that's quite amazing. Right. Like, if I was going to do something, I would Google it. But most of my <laughs> students, you know, they, they just... And what's this? And, and there's no other gyms in town. So it's like, there's no there's no other students coming. It's all just guys or girls <gasps> that come in. Just like, hey, what's this? Show me. <laughs> nice. So how is uh, so how is your everyday life now in Taiwan? Like, what, what do you do? Uh, other than training and being on Tinder or something. Yeah, I pretty much just like figured out my schedule. You know, like I um, I, I finally like sort of thought to myself that I wanted like uh, I want to compete some at a higher level and see and see like what I can do with it. So um, so I dedicate myself to more training, sort of lifts, lifting and strength and conditioning program stuff like that. So every every morning after I wake up and do some strength and conditioning stuff, get my uh, my rolling in in the evening, teach a couple of classes, teach a couple of privates. Um, it's pretty uh, pretty jiu-jitsu intensive for me right now all week. Mm. The weekends I take off mostly. Sometimes I spar on a Sunday, but for the most part, I take the weeks off, have some uh, weekends off, have some fun. But uh, during the week, it's just it's just uh, all go with uh, with jiu-jitsu or jiu-jitsu related stuff. Do you have any uh, like plans for the future for the academy or? Uh, yeah, I, I have some. But are we are we going to see a, a Danimal franchise chain of uh, Danimal Baja? <laughs> all over Asia. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like. There's a few other places down south here that. I mean, if I couldn't go to the school, like personally, then it kind of be what's the point of being open, right? Mm. But uh, th there's a few other places down south. That, I mean, one of my gyms is already 30 minutes away, so uh, twice a week I make that make that commute and uh, and go teach four classes there. So um, yeah, I, I, there's a couple other places I think it would be possible, but not necessarily straight away. Do you, uh, so I've seen you've also done a few seminars around Asia. 
Like, do you plan on doing more of that? Especially now you're a, you're a black belt, so now you can really uh, charge a lot of money for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fuck them. I, I love them. You do life, life coaching. You do life coaching workshops now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be next on the agenda. Uh, I, I actually, I, I love doing seminars, and in, 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 I don't know, man. Like when I compared. The way I do it and the way other people do it, or other people I've heard of around Asia, like for most people, it's just a cash grab, mm. just trying to get as much cash as they can. You know, like most of the time I've went and I've went to some places that nobody wants to go to. Like I went to fucking Bangladesh, like damn right. Bangladesh. Why did I go? Because I thought, why not, right? Like I want to help something grow there. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go there for the for the nice beaches or for the, you know, the quiet ambience. But like, you know, the, the people I met there were so cool and so appreciative that I went there. And like really, I just went there for my for my costs, for my expenses. I'm not trying to make money from, you know, trying to rip people off and go out there and teach them jujitsu secrets. But like you say, if I can go out there and and plant some seeds, who knows where that leads to, right? So right. So if anyone is is like is um is around like near Taiwan, relatively near Taiwan, and they have a small academy or something, I mean, you'd be happy to go there and teach a little bit. Yeah, of course, of course, I would. Yeah. Um, if they can get in touch you can leave some details with the podcast yeah I think I'll do that um, so what if people want to come visit you and train in your academy it, and now we heard about all your cool friends who are going to show them around town yeah I mean like it's, it's, it's a super easy place to visit it's, it's, it's so inexpensive to um, you know to, to live here for a while like the, the cost of, of cost of living is very very low um, so visiting here is very easy. Um, I, I, I've, I've tried to tell a few people that, that I know from back home, like a, a lot of people back in Scotland or I'm sure in a lot of places are kind of like living, um, you know, working so much that, that people are working 40 hours a week and stuff and barely have enough time to train, right? Mm. I mean, I guess that's fine if you're making a shit ton of money, but I know a lot of people that are not doing that. So it's, it makes sense. That I don't know to, to make a move, right? Like I say, most of my students work like 20 hours a week here training full time so really they're they're not living to work you know they're, right. they're able to do their passions when they come here so honestly if people are, are, are have if they have a degree it's so easy to do a native english speaker with a degree is so easy to move here and live like a very good life where they can train a lot so uh i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would be interested in that and i tried to put the word out before but um it does seem like a scary big move but honestly it's really not but what uh, and how you're how far from taipei and there's high speed rails like an hour and a half. Okay, that's not too far. But I mean, what if yeah. people just want to go on like a, a little holiday or something? They want they want to drop by Taiwan for training. How yeah, it's a great it's a great place to visit for that for sure. Um, I mean, how is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's easy to get to. It's easy to stay here. They'll have a lot of fun here, man. There's a lot of things to do. There's some nice beaches close by. Some nice mountains. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to do. Do you guys train every day or? At my place in Kaohsiung, there's there's a class every day. There's uh, five classes most days, four classes other days. So like, there's, there's a shit ton of classes there, man. Right. So they should be busy enough. Yeah, no, no one's doing all the classes. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, um... I'll, I'll leave a challenge open for that. They can have a free gi if they manage all the classes for two weeks. I'll give them a free gi. <laughs> right. Well, um, it was nice to talk to you again. It's been, uh, I don't even know when we talked last time. Yeah, you too, man. It's just a few times a year. 
Yeah, probably Belgium. Yeah, probably Belgium. You're pretty far away right now. I mean, I actually checked like plane tickets yesterday to Taiwan, and it's like 35 hours for me or something. It's ridiculous. I'm not. I'm not gonna drop by. I hope some of the listeners will, but I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna come by. <laughs> Screw that. Yeah. It's way too I, far. I, I'm hoping to get out to the uh, the camp in Maine. A few of my students want to go out there, so hopefully I can make it out to that camp in Maine. Yeah, that's that's still pretty far, right? I mean, you got to go across the Pacific and then across the U.S. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be far, of course, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let me know. You guys are most welcome. <laughs> All right, no worries. All right, it's good to catch up, and um, I'll talk to catch you. Catch up, man. Uh, take it easy. Talk to you soon. All right, later, Bye. man. That was the first interview of the first episode of the BGGA Globetrotters podcast, and... Um, I think that went pretty well, if I should say so myself. Um, I'm really excited to uh, to see um, what other people I can convince to, to come on the show and uh, and hear their story. Uh, one thing that struck me a little bit about about Dan, he said that, I mean, thinking about traveling, moving to another country like that, it, thinking about it sounded like it would be, he thought it would be impossible or super difficult, but... In reality, when he got there, he he found out that it was actually not not that bad, and I think that's that's a kind of common thing. Um, and I really had the the same kind of thought for myself moving. Uh, I think I al- always kind of imagined I would try to move away and and try to live a different life in a, in another country, um, but but just kind of imagining it, it it just seems so like impossible or so complicated. Uh, but I think there there are some some factors to that that makes it it work. I mean, I, I see some common common denominators in in uh, in people what they did to to actually make make a, a move like this work. And um, I hope this is something we we get to talk about in in other interviews. I'll definitely uh, bring it up at some point. But um, my friend who has been doing radio shows in Denmark for for many years, he he told me to keep keep the podcast super simple, no more than twenty thirty minutes and. As far as I can see, I'm already way past that. So I will I will um, save some of the philosophical talks for for another episode. Um, so so that's it. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. And um, if you want to subscribe to future episodes of, of this podcast, you can go to bjjglobetrotters.com slash podcast. And um, there should be a form or something there you can fill out. I hope it's working. Um, but that's about it. If you have any um, like requests for people to bring on the show or questions you have uh, that you would like me to talk about or anything, uh, feel free to shoot me an email on mail at bjjglobetrotters.com and I'll be happy to take a look at it. Um, that's it. So um, I will uh, see if I can get the next episode uh, out in... A week or two it will very likely be about the the camp we have here in uh, in St. Bart uh, which is in one week from now so I am fairly busy getting that ready all right have a nice day bye